millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Failed Critics Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Norman, and I sound remarkably like Tony <laughs> Black today. Um, <laughs> and I'm uh, joined, uh, as ever, by Owen Hughes, um, Steve's regular Hello. partner. Hello. Yep. He, thanks for coming on and, and taking over Steve's uh, seat. I was dreading it slightly, having to do it myself, so I'm very grateful for you being here. That's all right. It's big shoes to fill. Um, and he's uh, he, he's still on his uh, dirty weekend caravan holiday. I think that wasn't that what Paul Field said last week. That's, uh, Paul has a million different excuses for where Steve is. Yeah, <laughs> we won't go into the ball. We'll be here all night. We will be here all night. It's probably not a good idea. Um, I need to declare just at this point as well. I haven't seen Mob Handed, but I will <laughs> one day. But we'll ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous, Tony. That's it. I'm starting again. You mad ending. <laughs> <laughs> um. But and to, yeah, tonight it's not just me uh, popping in to host Fail Critics for the first time. We've got two brand new guests, um, all the way from the uh, Sudden Double Deep podcast. It's uh, Daryl Barr and Ben Challoner, and I've pronounced both of your names right, haven't I, gents? Oh yes. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, thanks very much for for being here, both here. I'm really um, looking forward to to actually speaking to you in the person because I've heard your voice for. Is it four hours? Over four hours now? Must be about five, six yeah, hours totally. in total. The feelings yeah. mutual, Owen. Yeah, great. And we, you know, we've chatted quite a few times on Twitter and Letterboxd and stuff. So I think that's where we first met, wasn't it, Daryl Letterboxd? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's great to finally, uh, if not see you in, in, you know, in the person, at least hear your voice <laughs> and have a conversation. <laughs> it's all right. Sure. The voice is better than the picture, for sure. Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and cheers for coming on, Ben. Um, you said you were over the moon yeah. to be on the podcast. I'm not sure how much I believe that, but you know, flattery will get you everywhere. I don't of think that the, uh, the the British movie podcast market has been flooded enough, you know. So um, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a big fan of your podcast, and it was was a pleasure to hear from you, guys. Do you want to tell us um, what your show's about then? Sudden Double Deep, which is on Battle Royale with Cheese.com, is that right, or is that a separate thing? Yeah, well, yeah, we're, um, haha. Um, yeah, I'll go for this. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, uh, Battle Royale with Cheese, they, they, uh, been contributing to those guys for a little while now, a couple of years. Um, but yeah, the Sun Double Deep is, uh, something that Ben and I set up uh, a couple months ago now, actually. Um, the whole idea of us is we're a triple bill title podcast. We watch three films linked by a word in the title. And then, yeah, we talk about those films, we discuss any links that we might find, uh, generally kind of argue the toss over the, the films that we see. 
spoil the ending, give away the jokes, that kind of thing, really. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing was, I think, I mean, Daryl and I have been friends a long, long time, and we used to bore our friends to tears because every time we got together, we would just, you know, wax lyrical about every film we'd seen. Um, and it got to the point where we thought, well, why don't we just get into a room and just do this ourselves for, you know, a couple of hours a week, and, and it's going to be sort of cathartic for us and also gives our friends sort of time away from it. Um, and yeah, I just, it's my favourite time of the week now. I love recording. It's perfect. It basically got to the point where our friends disowned us. So we only had each other. <laughs> Excluded from the social circle and did what every other introverted slash extroverted person wants to do and do just tell everybody via a podcast instead. Well, well the only one that stuck by us is uh, Jeanette, Daryl's wife. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. because she's now uh, linked by law. Yeah. Is that the... bound by contract exactly it's like penguins in the harsh cold winter basically everybody turned their backs on us and left us out into the blizzard so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's your latest show on uh the one we just recorded yeah it was actually uh the number uh the number (laughs) the uh the word was zero which was an interesting uh, one actually got a little while to that's out yeah that's uh two weeks from now but yeah we got we got zero coming up um we watched well we watched all sorts of nonsense didn't we (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it was the most, uh, like, it was the earliest film we've seen yet, one from 1969. It was like a space western. Um, and then right the way up to, um, oh, one of the films that's uh, in the 21st century is 100 greatest films, apparently. Um, Zero Dark Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. That was literally the only one I could think of. I was desperately <laughs> trying to think of films with zero in the title. I could only think of one. That is pathetic. But uh... well, I, there aren't that many. There aren't that many. I really wanted to go for zero theorem. You know, as a jumping off point for Terry Gilliam and all that. But um, I think we went the right way at the end. Mm. Is this to? Is this kind of sneaking behind the curtain? If I were to ask you where these words come from, who comes up with the ideas for these words that you throw into a hat? No, not at all. Uh, originally, the whole idea was uh, I. Uh, this is going to sound horribly luxuriant. Uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was I was on holiday with my wife in Thailand and uh, could not sleep on the second night, jet lagged like a mofo, and uh, lay there like uh, on the on the balcony at like three o'clock in the morning, uh, watching a beautiful thunderstorm. And it was like I came, that whole thing of uh, a few years ago when the Iron Lady came out, and uh, on the Kermode and Mayo show, somebody had talked about a great um, a great triple bill would have been uh, Iron Man, Iron Giant, and the Iron Lady, <laughs> and that was like what four or five years ago now, and 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 so I think the root of that just kind of settled into my head, and sitting there unable to sleep at dick at a clock in the morning, and uh, I thought, right, well, what what's what can I think of? What ones can I think of? And then uh, and then yeah, uh, the first one was was Impact actually, uh, Sun Impact, Double mm-hmm. Impact, Deep Impact, and then from then I just started making a list on my phone and at seven o'clock in the morning when my wife woke up and I'm sitting there on the edge of the bed bouncing up and down going, Oh my God, I've got this idea. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and they're all just, yeah. I, I, the minute I got back off holiday, made a, made a weird little database and contacted Ben and said, right, this is something I really think we could get our hooks mm. into. And that's, that's kind of it really. That's, that's where it kind of stems from. You, you had me from the moment you said double impact. <laughs> I must admit, actually, telling people the, the name of the podcast for the first time, you do have this look of horror on their face. <laughs> what am I thinking? Sudden double deep? Yeah. Well, if we'd gone with the Kermode and Mayo thing, we would have been called Giant Man Lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, Tony, um, I wanted to ask you about 
Black Hole Cinema? What's the latest with Black Hole Media, sorry, I should say? What's going on there? Well, right. Basically, I for those of you who don't know, because I'm not always on Vale Critics, I was trying to do about four different podcasts at once. Um, and that's not an exaggeration, basically. It's and not healthy either. It's it's not healthy, no. <laughs> uh-huh. And I badged them all under this uh, Black Hole Media, which I've talked about before on other things. And um, this summer... I had a little bit of a of a moment, shall we say, in which that and a bunch of other things that I won't bore you all with combined to make me have a little bit of a, um, shall we say, not quite breakdown, but let's call it breakdown for ease. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not, not and, so um, no. Yeah, yeah. And I realised that I've got it all in. So Black Hole Cinema is finished. Pick a flick is finished. High concept is finished. Um, and the only one I'm... And the composers is finished. The only one I'm going to be doing now is the X-Cast, which is my X-Files one, because mm-hmm. that's an ongoing project that's going to take a few years. Um, and then I'm involved in, with Foul Critics when you allow me mm-hmm. to come on Owen, which is very nice of you. And I'm involved in something else that I can't really talk about yet, but it's oh, another podcast right, okay. endeavour. Yeah, but it's not as intense. So basically, that's why. So all that's why all of those things it was just too much it was just too much mm-hmm. and you know you used i think you said to me on, on twitter owen i just thought you were a loon for even trying to do this much. yeah <laughs> uh, i um, i do struggle doing just two a week and it's it's you know when we have the extra one like underground nights or something just the like the time it takes to record and edit it's editing that i find is the, the thing so i'm not gonna say i'm not surprised because that would make me sound like a bit of a dick. But I think that it was probably the natural conclusion to having so many things on the go. But, you know, yeah. Black Hole Media's loss is our game because we're going to steal you for more of our shows. So well, there is a silver lining it. to us. <laughs> at you least. say that now, but you'll regret those words one day um, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm consistently shit at this. But no, um, it's yeah, it, there will still be some stuff and I might come back and do the odd thing and I'm still going to be talking about films, but it won't be as relentless. And yeah, because I, I, I need to have a life outside of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, if anyone is a fan of the X-Files, do check out um, the X-Cast, uh, which you can find on iTunes and on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, because, yeah, it's uh, that's the main one I'm going to be doing. Um, so, yeah, shall we shall we carry on anyway? Shall we crack on with um, with the podcast? Yeah, why not? As we're here. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, might as well. go. we might as mm-hmm. well. Um, right. So, OK, quiz. The quiz. The fabled oh, quiz. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, given we're going to be talk, obviously we're going to talk some news. We're going to do what we've been watching and some new releases. One of which is um, the new Jason Statham film, Mechanic Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and in honour of that, I thought let's have a Jason Statham quiz this week. So I have got eight quotes from Jason <laughs> Statham films that oh, the man has yeah. said, and you need to, <laughs> you need to guess which film these quotes are from. Okay, oh. so I hope you know you, Jason Statham. I'm actually um, pretty confident and... on this, Tony. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's exciting, Ben. Okay, right. So I, uh, I'm going to do it in the style of Jason Statham because I'm nothing if not crap at impressions. So um, <laughs> this is going to be really bad. <laughs> I warn you in advance. So, okay, I'll go right into it. Just shout out if you know it. Okay, right. Quote one. I've been knocked down, blown up, lied to, shit on and shot at. So nothing Spy. surprises me much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> spy uh, no it's not spy 
No. No, no, no. Anyone else want to chip in? Crank 2? No. Mm. Snatch? No. I'll tell you, you've all had to go there. I'll tell you. It's Wild Card. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) Which came out last year. Not one of his best, but okay. Okay, number two. Nope, I am not the gay. Hummingbird? That's it. (laughs) No, no. He says the gay in quote marks. So, nope, I am not the gay. Revolver? No. One more Home front? Home front? (laughs) No, no. I love that, but no. (laughs) Is that the one with James Transport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Transport three, the one nobody ever nobody saw because the one before okay. that was really shit. And the first one was really shit, really. Um oh, okay, the first so... one's great. I'm not having that. You're not getting away with that. The, tra- the first transporter well, films. Okay. I know, I love the well, first one. Sure. The first one's alright. but I was annoyed that the scene in the trailer where he bats a missile away with a baking tin in the film. <laughs> really... <laughs> Number three. By the powers vested in me, I now pronounce you man and knife. Uh, Expendables 2. Yes. Well done, Owen. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a point yeah. on the board. The best Expendables film, me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, with John claude Van Damme as uh, Jean Villane. <laughs> the bad Villain. guy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was the best one. Okay, number four. Do I look like I've got cunt written on my head? Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> that one's got to be Spy. Uh, if only. No, it's not Spy. It's not Nomeo and Juliet, amazingly. Uh, Lockstock? No. No, it's uh, it's Crank. Oh. The, the first Crank. I'm worried these are too hard. No. I, I, <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am known for really hard quizzes on podcasts, so yes. I think I've just it's over. I'm just going to um, keep saying Spy until I get one of them right. <laughs> Okay, number five. During the threat of an assassination attempt, I appeared convincingly in front of Congress as Barack Obama. Spy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, excellent. Number six. That's my fucking house. Anyone who comes around it again will find me standing in it. Hmm. <laughs> oh. It's a funny uh, quote. Is that home front? Well done, Owen. Yes, it is. Home front. Yeah. Good guess. Yeah. yeah. Home in the title. Yeah, I love the fact he stands in his house and that's a declaration. Like, yep. I want to be standing in my ass. <laughs> uh, okay, number seven. Well, Benny, I didn't think it was possible, but your mouth is getting even bigger than you're at. Snatch? No. <laughs> no, no, not much. I'll give you a clue. One of you has said it before. Crank two. Is it crank? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any more. So I, tell you, I can't really think of any, no. All right, it's Nomeo and Juliet, that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I've saved my favourite till last, um, which is very simply trees and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite one. Trees Italian and shit. No. The, nobody said this one yet. So that's a clue. Got to think of a Statham film that no one said you. Yeah. Uh, Expendables 3? <laughs> no, no. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to tell us, I think. I'll tell you. It's safe. Mm. Oh, safe. Now, in, in compiling this quiz, right, I realised that 
there aren't that many good Jason Statham films <laughs> that, are, that are really that I've seen. And I was like, this, these films, some of these quotes are better than some of these films. And I don't, I don't think everyone's seen them. So like, yeah, I'm not surprised that that was a difficult one. Really? I think that could be uh, said for a lot of these sort of action thrillers though. Right. I mean, most, I mean, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme, but most of the, his films are shit, but I watched them for him. Totally. You know? Yeah. Did you guys yeah. manage to catch the uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson pilot on Amazon yet? No. <laughs> I've it's, seen the trailer of it, yeah. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. It's a cross between uh, that JCVD film he did, uh, mm -hmm. you know, best part of a decade ago. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess like Ash versus the Evil Dead, in a way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. So I look forward to that one. Mm. That sounds fun. After the quiz, then, um, Owen, you're the winner. Uh, you got two out of eight. <laughs> and, <laughs> Walking um, two. <laughs> and Ben, you got one out of eight. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As the loser, the only Darryl, one you of us yeah, bought... those Jason Statham films now. Oh, yep. damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, does this mean Owen, you get to nominate something for Steve, or is that not hit on while while he's off? Does the does he um, same? I can bend the rules and make him watch Mob Handed again. We could try oh, that. But I think that might be a bit cruel. I think that's more than fair, actually. I really do. <laughs> um, yeah, because he'll damn him for taking two days off, two weeks yeah. off. He's uh, he got to watch it again. He should know better. So yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's, I think that's fair. So, yeah, okay, that's uh, Jason Statham all done with. We'll be back with Jace um, when we look at the mechanic resurrection later. Um, yeah, okay, well, we'll do, we'll do the news now, and um, we've got to talk about something that's, that's breaking news as we record, um, which is that Gene Wilder's dead, 83 years old, and, yeah, gutted. I, he, he was supposed to be in... Um, he, there were rumours he was going to be in Ready Player One, which he's filming in my hometown as we speak, actually, Birmingham. Um, with Steven Spielberg, and he was supposed to be playing a, a character in that, but it didn't happen in the end. Maybe he was too poorly, I don't know. But it's, he's, he's a legend, guys, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we were lucky enough that in our first, yeah, in the first four episodes that we've had, he, you know, he starred in and, well, and co-wrote two, two of the films that, that we, you know, we laughed at, we, we were, you know, loved, we were entertained by. And, you know, we were we were lucky enough to be able to have him as, uh, you know, one of these uh, uh, most, you know, most valued entertainers such as such in our, you know, in our podcast. And he's, yeah, he's, mm -hmm. he was a legend. He was a genius uh, in terms of comic timing and the physicality and everything. You know, everybody will know him, you know, as, as Willy Wonka from the, from, you know, the only decent, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory adaptation and, you know, from Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein and See No Evil, Hear No Evil, all of these films. He's, he was just a haunted honeymoon, you know, stir crazy, just just an incredible <laughs> actor and, and, and seemed like a, a very, very sweet, uh, sweet human being as well. He's been in some absolutely fantastic films, but not only that, I mean, he, he's been fantastic in them too. Um, you know, Blazing Saddles is just maybe for the first half at least it's just one of the funniest films ever made it's just so so much fun as well it's just uh it's just great i know you guys were talking about young frankenstein on one of your podcasts yeah so um, the first one that came up was uh see no evil hear no evil which mm -hmm. was uh the first time i'd ever seen gene wilder and like you said the first half of that film for me growing up was just mm -hmm. the funniest thing i'd ever seen in my life 
Um, and revisiting Young Frankenstein, which I hadn't seen for a long time, but I know Daryl had uh, actually watched it earlier this year. Uh, it just made me realize how how we didn't know what we had back then. You know, that, that stands the test of time and it, it's almost mm -hmm. timeless. And it, it just outplays all of these modern horror spoofs that we're getting. Um, and yeah, I just think he's an underrated genius and very, very sad news indeed. Yeah, it was it was really wonka for me. I mean, I, I love all those films, all those comedy films. Silver Streak, I really enjoyed with him in one of his Richard Pryor ones. But Willy Wonka's just like, that was defining, that one, one of the performances that defined my childhood, Willy Wonka, you know. And it's Absolutely. it's just yeah he, he was he was amazing in that he was he was funny he was twisted he was weird he was he covered it all and he was such a such a clever actor you know such a really he understood comic timing amazingly he was he was all kinds of things in one package um, and we, he, he hadn't really done anything for years had he I think he retired quite a mm -hmm. while ago really because that was that was the idea that Spielberg was trying to tempt him back into playing a, a part that would have fitted him perfectly actually if anyone's read Ready Player One um yes yeah absolutely but, you know um it's uh, I won't say what part just in case people don't, haven't, don't know the story but um it didn't happen in the end but yeah it, it's yeah it's a real shame mm -hmm. and I can't I don't know what the last thing he did was well, do you know you guys? I actually had a look on IMDb, yeah. So his last um, physical appearance in anything was a, a two-episode run in Will and Grace um, back in 2002, no 2003. No, but his last actual credited uh, piece, which is, this is terrible, is uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> He played. Oh I haven't. He played I have Elmo. No idea what that is. You don't know? It's a, uh, a fun live-action program for young children ages one and up. Right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> it's like a modern Sesame Street, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, he's he's going to be molding our youth, hopefully, from beyond the grave. <laughs> well, he modelled mine. <laughs> Eighty-three is a good um, good bucket win, isn't it? You know, it's a long life, and he's left a a, a, mm. a lot a lot of legacy films. So you have to be thankful for that. He'd be remembered. Yeah. But well, rest in peace, Gene. Um, you can go up there with all the other people that the Grim Reaper has taken this year, the absolute bastard. Um, so, yeah, it's really sad. But um, moving on, let's let's talk about the... Uh, speaking of actors um, and films, obviously, let's, there's, there's been a culture poll, a BBC culture poll um, this week that has, uh, from 177 crit critics, has voted the top 100 films of the 21st century so we're talking from 2000 up until present basically it's an interesting list i think what, what what do you guys think of this well at number one is uh mulholland drive and i think i should just confess this now so we can all get on with our lives i've never seen mulholland <laughs> what <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i know it's it's classic it's you know david lynch's um most celebrate well one of he's had, he's had tons hasn't he but clearly i guess if it's coming top of a culture poll and like second highest 21st century film in the sight and stone list then it's you know i don't think i'd be amiss to say it's his most celebrated film but yeah i just have never seen it and uh i, I wish i could tell you why it's just one of these blind spots that i've had but um yeah, I'm. I'm guessing from your reaction, then Ben, that you you're a bit of a fan. Oh, I I adore that film. I think uh, I so I studied film uh, for my A levels, and then I moved on to a, a bachelor's degree at university through it. But I think that film came out just as I was began doing film studies, 
Um, so I was starting to think of it more uh, in a psychoanalytical way rather than just mm -hmm. watching films for pure enjoyment. And that film is just a haunted house of psychoanalytics. And there's so many ways you can look at it. And it really is like a puzzle that you can put together however you want. Um, and I, I've seen it you know, over 10 times now. And I, I know it sounds corny, but I still get something out of it every time, something a little bit different. Uh, so I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot out of mm. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. It's just... Um... I don't know. I don't know why. I, like I say, I can't give you a, a rational, logical explanation as to why I've sidestepped it. Have you seen his other um, ones, like Lost Highway and things like that? Is that... I haven't seen Lost Highway, no. no. I mean, like I say, I mean, it, just him in general is a bit of um, uh, this just avenue that I've not really gone down. And uh, I, I mean, I, I know who he is. I, I'm, I think I, he even appeared in an episode of Louis. He did, yes. It, yeah, I can remember him from that. I've seen a Razorhead, but you know, like Blue Velvet, I've never seen. Um, Twin Peaks. Never watched Twin Peaks uh, either. Hell. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> I'm sure I would like it. I'm sure I would. Oh, Elephant Man, of course, I, I have seen, and he's uh, brilliant. But um, I think with that's... this list, then, does having seen this list now, does it kind mm -hmm. of spur you on to kind of look down at it and use this as kind of a tick sheet to go right? Well, I've not caught that. I've not caught that. You know. Well, there's only. Um, let me have a look. What else is on it? I, I've seen it in the mood for love. I've seen there will be blood, spirited away, boyhood, eternal sunshine, tree of life. I haven't seen Yee Yee, I've seen A Separation, I've seen Inside Louis Davis, and No Country for Old Men. So they sort of reigned out the top uh, 11 there, because Inside Louis Davis and uh, No Country for Old Men were tied in 10th. Yeah. So I've, I've seen most of them, but I mean, always these lists are just brilliant for picking up recommendations from anyway, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. But uh, I think generally the films they've chosen, uh, or that have been chosen and collected into this this, this list... Uh, they've picked some pretty solid films. There wasn't many. I was, I, you know, your instant reaction most of the time with lists is like, oh, they've only gone and left off so and so. And uh, but there aren't many films I could think of off the top of my head that are, are missing from this list. I mean, but I don't know whether that just means that 21st century is not being particularly great for films, or I don't know. I, think, I, thought... I mean, one that stood out for me. Okay, I mean, I, I didn't mind this film, but Spring Breakers from Harmony Corrine. Oh, right, yes. That's number 74. Yeah. Mm. I just thought, mm -hmm. come on, there's got to be a, <laughs> a film better than that for the top 100, surely. Well, I did see Holy Motors at 16 and it made me laugh. Yeah, because, what uh, a crazy film. I very much enjoyed that film. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed it, I think. I'm still, like, years on trying to conjure up an opinion on it. Um, but 16th best film... Film seems quite high for me. Oh, I know Steve, of the, uh, Steve Norman, our host, he he hated it. <laughs> he couldn't get on board with it at all. Uh, and I think it's because it was, it, you know, in his words, pretentious. Oh, God, and yeah. yeah. It um, doesn't even pretend to be anything but uh, a kind of high art sort of film. But, um, but yeah, there are bits of it to like. But 16 seems quite high. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do, do you think this kind of century so far just over a decade decade and a half has has been good for movies or or just generally not as good as previous decades I, i'm a big advocate for modern cinema actually um it's a sort of a point of contention between daryl and myself because he, mm -hmm. he really does go back to the classics and um you know where we've come from and and, and our inspirations uh whereas i like to stay as modern as possible you know and keep up with the, all the new releases as they come out um 
I have found it to be a little bit more middling, especially the last couple of years. I think we've really struggled mm-hmm. for some standouts. But I think in general, this list does prove that we have had some really blinding, blinding bits of cinema. I totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Mm. But four of the top five in this list are from uh, over, well, nine or more years ago. Yeah, right. Mm, you know, you've got Mulholland Drive 2001, In the Mood for Love 2000, and Spirited Away 2001, with There Will Be Blood 2007, sort of stuck in the middle of those. Uh, that's, I mean, that doesn't sound particularly promising for modern modern cinema. Yeah, right. Um, and Boyhood is, is fifth, and I felt was, you know, it's a brilliant, uh, you know, astonishing project, but the, the end product wasn't... <laughs> no, exactly. I don't think it's the fifth best Linklater film, even. (laughs) So I'm going to go as the yeah, the number it got. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Mm -hmm. With all these lists, I mean, there's well, I mean, there's always there's always going to be some subjectivity, isn't there? I mean, there's I haven't seen probably half of the top ten list, if I'm completely honest with you. I'm like you, Owen. I've not seen more Holland Drive. I've not seen much of David Lynch. I've saved, you know, I've I've seen his best films like Dune, but like you know. (laughs) But no, it's the same thing. There's quite a few I haven't got to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And I would obviously, some I see, you know, I'd put like Children of Men possibly at number one or number two or something like that. You know, Zodiac would be in my top ten. Grand Budapest Hotel would be in my top ten. You know, it's it's because everyone will see this list slightly differently. But I, I think on the whole, it does prove, I agree. I agree with, with, um, with you, Ben. I agree that this does show that we've had some great movies. You know, we really have certainly in the last in the last, you know, over the last 15 years. And yeah, the last couple of years have been a bit dodgy. Um, but on the whole, cinema is in, in pretty rude health, I think. And, you know, all, the, more is always made of, of the shit, really. And yeah, you have to pick the right. good yeah. stuff out. Frankly, I'm um, amazed that Moulin Rouge is even in there, to be honest. But <laughs> midships, yeah. Is, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, different strokes mm-hmm. of different folks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for example, just to pick one right out of the blue here, The Grey, I really enjoyed that when it came out, but I remember so many of my friends giving it shit, um, and I'm not really sure why, but then to see it so high up a list like this kind of validates, you know, what I thought originally. But I just wondered yeah. if you guys had the same yeah. feeling, if you liked that film, if you thought it was a bit of a miss. Yeah. That's... I was just watching was uh, Community earlier. with the You know Community, the sitcom, and there was an episode where Troy and Abbott were arguing with Jeff about the grey because they didn't <laughs> think it was great at all but i mean i i thought it was it was good um it kind of came in the midst of a few more generic action type films for neeson didn't it and i think maybe a lot of people went into it expecting a taken or a <laughs> you took my um, wolf now i'll find yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> <There> you <go>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that kind of thing you know unknown was was at the same time as well and those sort of movies and it was it wasn't anything like those it was a kind of survivalist person finding himself sort of film yeah. rather than finding his daughter um but it was like it, it was it was okay it was a bit more uh can i say it was a bit more arty than stuff like that i, I don't know i could safely say i agree with you <laughs> but i think a lot of people would think we were smoking something weird if we said <laughs> not at all no <laughs> i found it more like a conversation about uh people adjusting to uh, their own mortality it was kind sure. of oddly poetic, and I think what people were expecting were punches with wolves. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, which it teases yeah. with a post-credit scene, right? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. literally. laughs> 
But yeah, it, it's you know I think at the very least what this list will do is make a lot of people go and watch a lot of these films. You know, and, and then pretty much there aren't many films in this list that don't deserve to be in in a list of, of top hundred, whether or not you you know you switch the order around. There's some fantastic movies. So if it makes people watch more than Inception or you know Inside Out, great as they are, you know, but they're the more mainstream ones, then great because mm. there's there's some nice foreign language ones in here. There's a good mix. So it might open people up to more cinema, really, world cinema as well, which is always good. Agreed. Okay, well, um, lastly then for the news, uh, we've got another list to have a look at because I've been having a look at the uh, the list of uh, people who are earning the most in Hollywood because that's come out um, this week. And uh, we've got a new guy at the top. It was Robert Downey Jr. for ages, but uh, now it's The Rock who um, is now earning, he banked $64.5 million over the last year thanks to Central Intelligence, San Andreas, and to be fair, Fast. Fast eight, fast seven, and fast because he got pre- he got advance earnings for that. <laughs> I was um, going to say, wasn't he in sixty four point so... five films as well last year? But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so he's he's had a good year, but there's still a big. What was obviously in the um, in the news was that there's a, still a, a very big you know gap between oh, the gender gap. The gender mm. gap, yeah. That, mm. um, that I think it, Jennifer Lawrence uh, is the highest woman, and she earns around. Um, uh, 40 million or something like that but she's still like a good 20 25 million difference yeah. 46 million Affleck money, basically. so there's still, still a, yeah 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 basically yeah but, but again um, how many films was she disparity. in last year though she's well, uh, pretty prolific and you know yeah. well i mean i don't know what happened to to that now that the hunger games films have finished as well although i guess she's still in like x-men mm. and stuff isn't she so sure yeah you know, she's still in big yeah. franchises. But... Well, she's got that one with uh, well, Chris Pratt yeah. coming up, hasn't she? That should surely is going to make big bank. Passengers, yeah, yeah. Mm. passengers. Mm. Which mm. you'd think with those two, they're two, two of the, the rare case of two stars who can pull a movie in with those w- through their name. Yeah, it's going to be a laugh riot. Yeah, those two pranksters on the set, surely. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I love about these lists is always the um, surprise inclusion. Well, it's surprising to me because I always forget about it, but the Bollywood actors who mm. pop up on this. Yeah, sure, yeah. Who earn like twice as much as Will Smith. And you go, what? <laughs> who? Yeah. It's uh, always Shara a surprise. Khan at like 33 million. Um, although the one that's always surprised me was Jackie Chan. Oh, 61 yeah. million who? last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? I've not, I can't remember the last time I saw Jackie Chan in anything, really. Not for um, our market, though, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the, it'd be the Chinese and Korean markets and things like that, wouldn't it, I suppose? For sure. Um, where he'd earn a lot of money. But um, it's just, you know, it's just mind-boggling amounts of money, though, isn't it, considering what they do? It's, just, it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Struggle to get your head around it a little bit. Yeah. I reckon they should throw some of that money into the podcasting game, you know? Yeah, Julia Roberts even still on this list. <laughs> Did you not I see don't... Money Monster? That was a fantastic little performance. So I, I don't know what else besides Money Monster she was in. So what? She got twelve million for Money Monster. Like surprise me. Yeah, blimey. Wow. Probably. It's all those uh, Ocean's Weird, Eleven screenings on ITV. Oh, still yeah. raking in the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we, it would it would be nice for the money to come to the podcast. I mean, we only get what about ten million a year, Owen. You know, it's not. Much, oh yeah, I mean minimum. Mm. Yeah, it's you know, but there you go. We we shouldn't complain, should we? Really, Daryl's paying me peanuts, so I don't know what he's getting. <laughs> I did. He's did I not explain? 
you guys have to pay subs to appear on the, the podcast. I, th- I thought I mentioned oh, that. Right. Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Five million each. Yes, please. Yeah. Let's talk what we've been watching then this week. So this is where we talk about basically, yeah, what we've seen in the last seven days in terms of films and things like that. Um, Owen, you've you've seen uh, a horror, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, it was one of these evenings where I was just flicking through Netflix for something to watch whilst waiting for Match of the Day to come on. And uh, As Above, So Below suddenly popped up on my Netflix feed, uh, which is a kind of... Kind of like a mystery, but mainly it's fame footage horror. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, there's some a group of uh, I guess archaeologists and other explorers who go under the catacombs in uh, in Paris to look for some treasure, which is the philosopher's stone. It's okay. I mean, it's there are, there are bits of it that I really like. It, it's a bit trippy at points. So it, a, a, a part of it felt like. Grave Encounters, and I don't know that's, whether that's because you and I, Ben, mentioned this to each other recently on Twitter. Yeah. I think you you, t- you mentioned that Grave Encounters when we were doing our horror film Triple Bill, or frightening film Triple Bill, I think, and it was just suddenly in my mind, but a lot of this reminded me of that, where they go into the catacombs and suddenly they see uh, there's a piano that one of them recognises from when he was a kid, and they're just like, how did this piano get here? And it's playing, obviously on uh, kind of like childhood trauma um, and uh, how memories get trapped and, and things like that, you know. And it, it it was a little bit weird like that. There were lots of strange, um, unusual occurrences as they delved deeper. But what I, what I did also really love was the atmosphere. Because uh, fame footage films, sometimes they can be a little bit stale in that regard or a little bit lacking um, because you're just reliant on the people and the situations to develop that. Whereas this has uh, all of that, of course, but it also has this this um, this feeling that flows through it of uh, this uh, a claustrophobia, of course, because of, they're in the catacombs and they're climbing through little passages and, and things like that. Um, but th- there was something more to it. And I think part of it was, of course, it's all unheld uh you know, hand cameras, you know, the, the, it's wobbling all over the place. But there was some, there was more personal uh, shots here, lots of close-ups from people, um, which you don't normally get from, from these unless they're literally turning the camera on their own face so they can, you know, massage their own ego and look really stunning to camera and stuff. But in this, it was, it felt a lot more personal. So I did like that about it. Um have, I, have any of you guys seen As Above, So Below? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen it a couple of times, actually. Um, okay. I cool. I didn't think it was one of the better ones I saw that year. I think, uh, did it? was it 2012, 13 that came out? It's uh, t- 2014. 14, even. Wow, okay. Because yeah. uh, I know there was quite a few that year. Um, and I was talking to you, I think, over Twitter saying, you know, Grave Encounters was one that I thought mm-hmm. was really successful. Um, but one of the things that both of those films do very well is uh it's all about mind games isn't it so as you say Mm -hmm. seeing the Mm -hmm. piano and things like that um and i think that is something that we can all find fundamentally very creepy yes um and that's why i think they do work 
Uh, I, I... Yeah, because it's like things that you're, you're escaping from are still there haunting you, right? And it's only when you confront them, etc., etc. You know, it's a little bit of a trope for these kind of Exactly. It's like films, Stephen but... King's It, which is getting a remake, you know. That's, that's yes, where the fundamental yeah. idea came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think it did work. And I love the fact that we can make films like that for a really low budget. And mm-hmm. the, all it takes for you to enjoy the film is for you to just go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could sit there picking it apart and being cynical about, you know, uh, it's a cash grab and all this sort of nonsense. But really, if it comes down to it, just try and go with it. And it's like a roller coaster. You're going you're gonna to get the benefits from that. And it's like the, the, it, it sticks very rigid, rigidly to a lot of these conventions. Um, one that often gets thrown around for films like these is people doing stupid things right? Sure. that you wouldn't normally do. But it's it's a film, <laughs> you know. If they didn't do stupid things sometimes, or things that weren't particularly realistic, you wouldn't really have much of a movie. It's about sort of the fantasy of it, and uh, yeah, correct. I, I guess it's it's excusable in some circumstances, and I think As Above So Below is one of those, and uh, all all the better for it. Really, just makes it into a more exciting uh, little movie. What about you? Um, what about you, Daryl? What have you seen lately? What have you been watching? Well, uh, in the last few days, I was lucky enough to catch a screener of a uh, documentary called Glory Days, The Life and Times of Michael Alec. Uh, a few years ago, about 2003, there was a movie uh, made about this character, uh, Michael Alec, who was a clubland promoter in the late 80s and right the way through to the mid 90s, um, kind of debauched, uh, you know, they, they were... Uh, very colourful characters, um, part of this subculture, this this whole club kids vibe in in like you know when when New York was all a seedy underbelly basically. Uh, <laughs> they they basically carved out uh, their own uh, their own side of this uh, LGBTQ culture there, and um, um, I, as as their parties got you know kind of crazy and more debauched, um, they ended up um, just doing considerably more drugs, and, and it ended up with the the uh, murder of of one of one of their uh you know one, one of the club kids um the the film uh 2003 film called party monsters starred macaulay culkin and <laughs> seth green and chloe savini was in it and marilyn manson and a few others but yeah this uh this documentary's um it, it hit the festival circuit at the back end of last year it will be soon to be released uh I believe on amazon and and yeah it just goes into the first off like a historical kind of aspect of the of the club culture thing and the in and what new york was like in the 80s right the way through to the early 90s uh, they go into a, a lot about the um you know culturally uh, musically what's going what was going on there and then about this character michael alig himself and how he was a very you know personable guy and and how he was this uh like a a lot of charisma about him, uh, but a bit of a bit of a poison character as well, in the sense that he was he was a, he was a bit naughty when it came to drink and drugs. But that was essentially what these parties were about. And when you say a bit naughty, he was you... well, yeah, he, yeah. He, <laughs> moderating yourself there from from like a whole you know mixture of drugs right the way through to becoming a, a full out heroin addict. And he, it was his boyfriend that that he he ended up murdering basically, and. Uh, leaving him in a bathtub for 10 days because he was just off his face on drugs and didn't really know what to do with, with the situation and came back to after 10 days and hacked him up into pieces, put him in a TV box and pushed him into the river. And it was a few months later that he was, you know, it was all discovered. And 
after 17 years in jail. What we see with this documentary isn't just... Uh, there was an earlier documentary in 1998 about this, you know, just a couple of years after it all happened. And what this documentary actually does is goes, well, 17 years after this grisly murder, this gentleman is now coming back out. He's, he's, he's coming back on the streets, and it's how his friends and those that were part of that culture are... Uh, you know, opening their arms back to him and with the whole situation being as, you know, everybody was messed up. Everybody was messed up back then. So the interesting thing is watching this gentleman come out of jail in 2014, 2015, after 17 years inside and having to get to grips with things like his own odd celebrity, the -hmm. fact that he had a documentary and a film made about him with Macaulay Culkin, no less, and and being, being clean and coming out of jail... And being back in an environment where he's accepted for his sexuality as well. And the the way people are kind of looking at him with regards to the situation as it was then. And, and, and you know, this, this strange uh, infamy slash uh, for me, basically. <laughs> um, it, it's a very interesting documentary. It's perhaps a little over long. It's, it's two hours and 12 minutes. And if they couldn't shave 12 minutes off that, I'd be very surprised. But it does ask some very interesting questions at the end about the whole idea of people leaving jail after X amount of time and coming into this world now where we've got social media and everybody's so involved in their own lives and everybody is you know, so wrapped up in their own faces online and, uh, and celebrity culture and such. Uh, so so it, it goes from uh, the historical to the grisly and then into this kind of ponderous uh, situation towards the end of it. So it asks some very interesting questions. See, that that latter third is the bit that I probably would be most interested in watching this documentary for, um, is just to see how someone like that would cope. I mean, did you think it was particularly insightful into that aspect, or was it just mainly about this one guy and no, his experience? What, you or? see, the, there was a documentary yeah, in 1998 called Party Monster, and what that covered was the grisly nature of the crime it was one of those 50 Mm -hmm. minutes you know released 18 months after it all happened type type affairs and it was uh, a little tasteless but uh, one of those uh they had a lot of dramatic reenactments in it and it was (laughs) it wasn't really wonderful uh then even the the party monster film wasn't great but there were still elements to it that were kind of there and what this does is it, it what got me more than anything was the the host- historical aspect, the cl- the uh, club culture, the, the subculture side of things. That the, in the in the first third was great, mm-hmm. and then the grisly murder itself. It was it was touched upon, and how it affected those that that lived in that landscape at the time was 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 insightful, and 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 the fact that they'd all all had you know the best part of two decades to take stock of the situation sure yeah. grow up yeah. live their lives <laughs> most of them come off of a certain amount of, of crazy crazy drugs and how you would uh, and yeah the, the final third it was was very was very interesting the fact that you know p- people's friends how you'd react to a guy you know somebody you know somebody you loved with all your heart somebody you loved who committed a grisly murder in the act of of being totally steaming off their face on mm. on shit, and and the maturity and and growing and learning to love these people again, or learning to if, even if you don't uh, forgive, learning to just realise that these some of these things have just happened. That makes it sound very flippant, but 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 this is something that that they've got to move on, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And this, yeah. I think this documentary covers that very well, and they do go into the 
the the celebrity aspect of him and him having to readjust. He's he's now got his own Twitter page that he that he writes on and he he runs like a vlog on on YouTube once a week. Has done for a while and getting back into getting back into society, get back into life, rehabilitating, so to mm-hmm. speak. Is it out soon or was this a screener that you watched? It, or? it was a screener. It's out soon. Uh, US Amazon and soon to follow uh, UK Amazon. It's Glory Days, The Life and Times of Michael Alleg. Mm. Sounds interesting. One to check out, definitely. Ben, what about you? What have you What have you been watching lately? I actually was lucky enough today. I saw a, uh, a screener of another documentary called Wiener. I don't know if you've, you've heard of this, about Anthony Wiener, the disgraced uh, mayoral candidate. Tell me what I think I'm mayor. <laughs> it seems familiar. This this gentleman was uh, running for New York mayor uh, about three or four years ago now, and two of his staffers were recording the whole process because it was about that time, you know, where um, uh, any sort of traction you can get on the internet was was really big for this sort of thing. Um, and they just so happened to be filming him the minute that a big scandal dropped that he had basically been sending dick pics. Uh, to right. to young ladies, um, and so what they managed to do essentially was just be at the right place at the right time and just get cinematic gold. Um, so rather than turn the cameras off, he said to to stay with him, and they can see the redemptive journey he goes on. And it is it's quite fascinating, you know. It's it's very cringy film to watch because you're seeing it all happen. And you just think, oh mate, please stop making <laughs> terrible terrible decisions. Uh, uh, without trying to spoil it too much, you know, because half the fun is experiencing it with him. Uh, but, you know, for example, he'll be walking into a convenience store with all the cameras following him, uh, essentially doing some some press coverage of, of showing him interacting with the people. And someone will say, you know, you're disgusting. You shouldn't be doing this. And instead of just walking on and, and letting it go, he, he turns around and has a full on shout <laughs> match with this guy and wow. starts calling him an Arab and things like that. You just think, oh, my gosh, you just don't know what you're doing, do you? Um, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Do you know what? Lo, lo and behold, I actually put my review on Letterboxd today. And instantly, within about 10 or 15 minutes of me doing so, I was getting messages from people telling me that he's just been done again. Uh, this week for sending dick pics again, and his his, his wife has actually now left him uh, this week, which has been <laughs> so. Ladies, he's available. Yeah, yeah. He can't and... keep that wiener in his pants, can he? Well, oh, that's yeah. the thing. His his name <laughs> it just couldn't yeah. be better. But he, <laughs> yeah. he was actually um, sending them under a pseudonym, and his pseudonym was uh, Don Carlos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have no idea, <laughs> uh, but but it's well worth looking up. Um, it, it's got a lot of buzz on at the moment, and saying it's you know you couldn't write this. Mm-hmm. It's if, if you didn't know it actually happened, then you wouldn't believe it was real. Really good film. He still doesn't seem like the worst person to run for office of any kind in America at the moment. So <laughs> oh, yeah, just... absolutely. Satire. Yeah. There's a great scene actually where Donald Trump is um has a little voice box on the news and he says, We do not want perverts in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Donald. Yeah, wow. yeah, whatever, Donald. Yeah. Um well since we're on the uh subject of documentaries, um I did I had a screen of myself actually this week for um for Flickering Myth, uh who I write for, and it was for um Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Is anyone familiar oh, wow. with... Yeah. 
I've heard I of love that. Roger Corman. Well, it's an interesting story. Roger Corman didn't direct this film. Basically, if people don't know, in 1994, a Fantastic Four film was made that has never been officially released because right. Troma managed to get the rights to, to the Fantastic Four at the time when Marvel rights were going for peanuts. And Lloyd Kaufman, Paul Field and James Mullinger's new mate, mm-hmm. um, appears on this briefly to talk about this. And uh, Roger Corman got hold of it and he puts a... He gave it to a director. Roger Corman does appear in this, but he's quite, he doesn't say much because it's a really interesting story of how this film was made with actors who didn't, there was no names in this film. It was made for a million dollars. It was cheap as chips, um, but it was made with a real labor of love to it. And all the cast pretty much appear. The director appears, um, the people involved in editing, music, etc., And they all talk about the process of making this film. And then the shady shenanigans that meant that it was very quietly canned by Marvel. Um, and it's it's a fascinating story, actually. And it, it's quite... The, on, the only person who's missing from it is the writer. And in my review, when I posted it, I made the point of saying the writer doesn't appear. And then the director of the film, Marty Langford, actually messaged, left a comment on the review saying, thanks for your review. Um, we, we did speak to him, but he didn't have anything interesting to say. <laughs> so we left about the film i was like fine okay mm-hmm. thanks for letting me know but uh it, it's well worth checking out because most people don't even know this film exists and it, it did crop up in bootlegs and things like that over the years as i said in my review it can't be any worse than the last three fantastic four films so <laughs> you know <laughs> it should be given some sort of life but it's out now check it out it's it's a it's a fascinating film and what was the documentary called it's quite a long title. It's called Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, there's no ambiguity there, is it? Of the no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They want you to understand. So, yeah, that's worth looking at. I love documentaries like that. Have you seen the one about um, Island of Lost Souls? That's fantastic. Uh, it's great, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> is that the island of Dr. Moreau? That's, that's, yeah, I thought, that's, yeah, the um, Richard Stanley's failed... Yeah. Uh, attempt at directing that with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. It's quality. I need to watch that. I've, I think I've heard you guys talking about it on this show, actually, but no, I need to I need to see it. Things like There's also The Death of Superman Lives, isn't there? The, the Kevin yes. Smith one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really interesting when they get into the lost, you know, the lost movies and things like that. And yeah, this one's this one's well worth, worth checking out. Yeah, all, all the documentaries today, they're all good. There's some good documentaries are great, aren't they? But not enough, not enough love is given to them sometimes. We should do, we should do a triple on them ourselves, probably at some point. That's one, one thing we've never done actually. Documentaries got to be done. I mean, I think. I will put it on the list. <laughs> Long, ever-growing list. Yeah, it's got to be done. Right, let's talk about the new films then, the new releases that are out at the movies. We've got this week a list of. Various different things. Um, we've got Bad Moms, which has come out, which has Myla Kunis and, uh, and Kristen Bell and a bunch of other people. We've got The Purge Election Year, the third Purge movie. Um, War Dogs with Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. Mechanic Resurrection with the Stith. And uh, uh, the, the Brute. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Pop Star Never, Never Stop, Never Stopping, which I think you saw, Rowan, didn't you? <laughs> Actually, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was hoping to see it yesterday, but events didn't sort of pan out that way in the end. So, um, but I have seen the Purge Election Year and War Dogs. Okay, 
was quite pleased with uh, with both of those actually. Both turned out to be decent for various reasons. I guess I'll wait to, to talk about those though. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, has anyone seen Bad Moms first off? No, unfortunately not. Not yet. Sadly not. No. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I saw the trailer and that was enough for me. I mean, yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a friend of mine at uni was going to see it with a mom, and I thought, yeah, it's probably the the sort of crowd, bank holiday weekend, sort of families or girls and mums going together. I mean, is that really sexist? Is that? I mean, I, I hate to just generalise a film I've not seen based on the fact it's called Bad Moms and say it's for women, which you've just because... done. But never mind. But... Well, yeah, I, thought, I mean, Bad Santa came out, and I saw that, and I'm not a Santa Claus, so I thought that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, I mean, there's, there are films that I think are unfairly bracketed as chick flicks, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's just quite easy to stereotype something like Bad Mom, so I'm never going to see it because I don't think it's going to be aimed at me. I'm not part of the demographic it's going for. I think no, I think that's a fair comment, really, because the the trailer very much whether you know I know trailers are bullshit and they most often quite often don't rec- you know mm-hmm. show the film in it, but this one I can't really see beyond it. You know, I keep, it, it looks very much like they've probably put most of the best jokes in it. You know, and, and yeah, I th- I don't think that's unfair, really. Mm. Um, I think it did very well in the U.S. box office, um, obviously because it has a very wide, broad spectrum of audience. Uh, but also because it was such a shit uh, week for, for releases. I think. <laughs> That's the impression yeah. I got anyway. Yeah. Is that is that why no one went to see Ben-Hur? Were they all watching <laughs> oh, uh, Bad Moms? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, who thought that was a good idea? Any of us? No. No. The remake of a remake that nobody asked for. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> Starring the megastar Garrett Hedlund. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was watching Pan the other day. Don't ask why. I, because I, I, I'm off work. But it was. I was saying to my girlfriend, he's the unluckiest actor in the world. Yeah, he's oh. been pan. <laughs> no, ben Tron Legacy. That poor man. <laughs> Fine. What about the Purge then? Election year. Yes, I have seen the Purge election year. Ha- okay, who else has seen it? Uh, yeah, did, uh, I think we might it. all have done. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, I, I did review this earlier on on uh, on the radio, but the Purge election year. I have a kind of weird relationship with these films. I didn't see the first film, but I saw Anarchy in the cinema and then went back and watched the first film and thought the first one was a bit crap, really. Completely different types of films, mm. in a sense, because the first one's a kind of... It's like just a home invasion film set in American suburb that tries to be a little bit satirical, you know, about the 1% and all that stuff, but it's not really. It just descends into home invasion territory. Purge Anarchy, again, tries to be a little bit satirical, but just in the end turns into uh, a Punisher-esque film. Uh, election Year, again, from the title, as you probably guessed, is trying to be quite satirical, and it is a little bit, again, but mainly is just a thriller, just about people getting shot up and stuff. I want to liken it to being similar to exploitation films, like the kind that uh, Roger Corman would have produced in the 70s, but it's... Not quite that far, so it's not really fully appealing to that audience, but it's still quite good. I still enjoy it for for my sins. I still find myself entertained whilst watching it. Am I am I alone in that? Or no, or not at all. You guys find it similar? I mean, I compared it to Death Wish as well before. It's appealing to that base urge and instinct, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's grimy and dirty enough to kind of fall in. Well, the second and third ones, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only thing I find I really find with this with the new one is uh, where they set up the whole idea of this within the first film, and then they went off with a whole new different set of characters, more or less. Besides one one fellow who turns up from the original, mm-hmm. I would have I would have much rather they went off and spun it completely differently again. You know, like uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, new cast of characters in a new setting, but the same premise. Mm-hmm. I think that would have had a little bit uh, had a li- me going for it a little bit more than than what we have here which is frank grillo who is great returning but again it's that punisher shtick we've seen him do before yeah and i'd have much rather have even seen another chisel jawed uh you know a just for men type, fe- type <laughs> fellow uh you know <laughs> shooting guns in a, th- in a in a threequel really yeah i mean they're trying to keep a, a consistency there but you're right it, it just it what was holding it back was it trying to be more of the purge anarchy because probably that was the more successful of the two Mm. and it's just a little bit of replication i think that's right i think that uh, i really enjoyed it um i think it's the weakest of the three personally because i actually quite enjoyed the first one um but the thing that got me was that you know there was always ideas and nods and agendas Mm -hmm. in the in the script of the first two films um but then the sort of pretext and the subtext all just kind of went away with this um, there was like foreigners coming to the country and you know taking lives. There was yeah kid, kids being disrespectful to their elders and things like that. And it was just so in your face. I was like, well, oh. and you solve it with guns, right? I mean, that's exactly, the, yeah, the problem. I mean, I, I really don't know what the political message really is of the Purge films. Three in, and I'm I'm still none the wiser. Guns, guns solve everything, I guess. I don't know. But then, like the the point of election year is the ones running for office on the basis that this is wrong so it's it's just so confusing i don't know whether it's me who doesn't understand it or whether they just didn't care when they were writing it i think you're right with the death wish thing where like guns are really really bad but for chuck bronson he needs to use a gun to make sure other people can't yes yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just nonsense i i I think it the thing is i think it feels more like a well I, i i said in my review Grillo has just become the point from gone from the Punisher to being Jack Bauer, which isn't a bad thing, essentially. But I think the the purge as an idea is better than the films. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've always thought that the purge would make a really good 24 style, you know, 12 hour series, because there's a lot of there are genuinely a lot of really interesting moral and philosophical ideas in these films. And a lot of like, like we say, very on the nose satire about what America is and what it could be and what it's turning into. But I think the films, because they they always need to have one foot in, in gore and, you know, horror and trying to fuse together this nihilistic Punisher-style action thriller with, you know, people getting guillotined in the middle of the street kind of horror, it's always a bit B-movie and schlocky when it actually could be a little bit more, say a little bit more. Tony, I, you just made me think, actually... Um... Just with that thought in mind, you know, if this was done as maybe a more of a VHS or ABCs of Death sort of thing, where you did sort of 10 minute short vignettes mm, uh, by different yeah. directors, taking it all from a different angle with different characters, but all around the same premise of The Purge, that would be kind of interesting. Wouldn't Absolutely. It? That'd be marvellous, actually. That, that's a great idea. And it's, it's, 
it's coming at all the different possible ideas. And these films are full of them. You know, I mean, I'll say that for James DeMonaco, who makes them. He, he In this film as well, there's lots of little different kind of things. He, he doesn't get time to explore, but he sees. So yeah. you've got fight clubs essentially happening out there, you know, with big biker guys. You've got mm-hmm. psychopathic girls who basically have killed their parents and are now rampaging round. You've got... You've got murder tourism, which I thought was a brilliant idea of people coming from different parts of the world to actually kill because they can legally in American soil. And they come and they dress up like the founding fathers and they go, yeah, man, we're going to kill some people. And it's, it's really... <laughs> Is that Jason Statham again? <laughs> <laughs> um they should have had him playing they should have had him as the guy in this not frank grillo um but it's but this is it there's lots of there are lots of genuinely good ideas and it was the same in anarchy as well and i think that i really like the purge films for that because i see more there but the films will never just quite escape their tacky horror shtick and even though it's good and it's well done in comparison to a lot of other films i'd love to see i'd love to see a series really getting into it but I, think, I think that idea that about the sort of ABCs of death style uh, short all set in the universe is fucking that's brilliant. Just, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was a good film. I enjoyed it, though. I, I, I've enjoyed all three of them. For, I you think know. we all did. That's the, that's the funny thing. Mm. I mean, especially just talking about this third one, it seems we all kind of, we saw more potential in it, but we all really enjoyed it. And so that should be a success. It's, it's yeah. a Blumhouse film, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's... yeah. Easily the best yeah. produced by Michael Bay, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lord, Competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's definitely worth seeing, I think. Um, what about War Dogs? I, have, I haven't seen War Dogs. Has anyone caught, managed to catch that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen it. I actually, I, I liked it. Um, it's, it's a hard one to explain because, again, we're talking about how trailers just ruin films these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not in the sense of giving away the whole story, but just making it look like utter toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> that he did, War Dogs. This War Dogs just looked terrible, right? And yeah. I was really not excited to see it, despite the fact being quite a big Todd Phillips fan. Um, I love, you know, Road Trip, for example, and Old School, a particular favourite of mine. Yeah, good films. Um, but what he's done here, essentially, is he's taken a, an article written in Rolling Stone magazine um, about these two you know, young 20-something lads that somehow managed to uh, luck their way into a massive contract with the Pentagon to supplying the armies in Afghanistan with all of their gear. And I think because it's based in reality, he had to restrain himself slightly from the more kind of, you know, like in the hangover where he's driving down the street with a giraffe in the back of his car. Um, I, I thought it was okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. I, I, I surprisingly thought it was okay. I mean, it is, but it seems very shallow. Uh, it seems to be a, a film made by somebody who watched Wolf of Wall Street and Pain and Gain and thought, yeah, I'm going to make a film about unlikable bellends. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I got the big glorious. short as well a little bit. I think it was trying to do that mm. kind of yeah, style. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's just quite enjoyable. I, I like the... the um, Sort of parallels with Scarface as well. Yeah, it's a bit heavy-handed, but that I, I suppose is the point, right? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's just this uh, guy going crazy with power. I forget who where I read this actually, but someone said uh, I think it might have even been Rolling Stone doing a review of it. Um, they said that the only person really going full tilt on this was Jonah Hill. Like he was trying something different and kind of it really it, it could have easily not worked his performance because it is a bit mm-hmm. over the top. But it ends up being one of the shining moments in the film is he kind of carries it um, being a douchebag, I mean, but with charisma. 
yeah, I think he chews the scenery quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and evidently quite a lot of it. But it, it's just like, you're right, Miles Teller, he's just the safe guy in this where he could be anybody. There's, there's, he doesn't really be. I mean, it's I a decent. I well, Teller anyway. To be perfectly honest, yeah. he could pretty much be anybody. Yeah, I thought he was quite, uh, quite good in Whiplash. That is, um, that is, that is it. I think, and I think that's got more to do with maybe the screenplay and the fact that he's opposite, you know, an amazing yes, J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally, he's, he's, he's a bit of a, I don't know, rubbery face knob end. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> if only, if only I could put that in the episode title without getting us kicked off iTunes. <laughs> Just put a star in one of the words, Owen. And, you know, nobody will know. Oh, uh, three. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm guessing you're not a fan of uh, Fantastic Four, then, Tony. Either his performance in that. Um, no. no. <laughs> and I, I don't mind Miles Teller. I think, I think he, he doesn't pick good films quite often. You know, I mean, he's easily even admitted that getting involved in the Divergent series was ridiculous, and he shouldn't have done it. Um, apart from Whiplash, which is his best performance yet, but um, yeah, he should and just he, he, yeah, he should stop what, saying I'm... that he wants to do Fantastic Four two. I think because that's not going to end well. Basically. Oh, him that. and Kate Mara as well. They've both mm. said it now. Yeah, it's kind it's... of scary. <laughs> they need to stop. I think I'm going to get in trouble for this, but you know, I'm not a hater of his. You know, some of the comedic roles he's done. Um, do you remember that awkward moment that came out with uh, what's his name, Zac Efron? Did you ever see that one? No, oh, I, I, heard, I, <laughs> I start to sound like a 13 year old girl, aren't I? But, um, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. Um, there was one called Two Night Stand as well where he, he hooks up with a girl on Tinder and then they don't get along even after they've slept with each other. So he goes to leave the apartment, uh, but inadvertently finds out that they've been snowed in. So they have to spend a second day together where they kind of fall for each other on that second day. Um, he did 21 and over as well in Project X, kind of really close to each other. And they were kind of American Pie found footage sort of films. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't hate him. <laughs> Not no, much. That, the, the Spectacular Now I liked him in. He oh, was exactly. good to... I, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, I didn't dislike him. I don't want to seem like a, a, a Miles Teller hater and a rubbery faced Bellend or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but he he he's just pretty generic in this. I don't think he brings much to the the screen, and the the chemistry between him and Jonah Hill's not. It doesn't really light up the screen. Can we talk though about Jonah Hill's size in this? Because I yeah. thought he'd lost all this weight, and then yeah. all of a sudden he boomed. What the hell happened? Was this just filmed so long ago he still had the weight on? Or was this like, is he back that size? I don't know what happened. I It was uh, worrying. I thought he was going to pop his clogs at any minute. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. I know it's on the trailer. I was like, Jesus Christ. Mm. I love it if they said, look, China, I'm sorry you've, you've put all this work in, but we need to put all that weight back on for this character. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <Yeah. laughs> Finally, then, what about Mechanic Resurrection? Has anyone except me seen this? Unfortunately not, no. <laughs> I probably I probably may have seen it and completely forgotten it if it was oh. anything like the first one. Between yeah. watching the film and then coming on to do the podcast about it. <laughs> I'm almost certain I didn't watch it. Do you, do you know what? I, I would say that it's it's slightly better than the first one. Has it got <laughs> Ben Foster in it? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It doesn't. Um, it, it, it just by a, a fraction, I think, because the, it's got the only bits, basically, it, to cut a long story short, the mechanic is one of those characters who is brilliant at everything and 
he's supposed to be dead and he doesn't want to get involved in the life anymore. And he gets dragged in because of a girl. And uh, <laughs> basically, it's it's the most generic plot you'll ever come across. And it's the most generic Jason Statham character you'll ever come across. But in the middle of the story, he has to basically complete three missions. It's it's basically like a Hitman game that right. on screen, but better than the Hitman films, actually, which isn't saying much. But it's like he has to do three missions that are very Hitman. And he has to complete different tasks in different places. They're hilariously ridiculous, some of them. Like one, he has to he has to try and kill a man who has a water. He, he has a swimming pool that juts out of his skyscraper building. This is in the trailer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And I'll, I'll I'll spoil this. Switch off <laughs> if you, if you care. But right, he basically to kill this guy, he puts like this little device underneath the swimming pool that makes it crack, and this millionaire gets sucked down the plug hole and falls <laughs> to his death. Right, <laughs> it is ridiculous. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it does, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but it's fun, and the the way he actually constructs these sequences, and the, the the way they play out is actually quite fun to watch. But that's like about twenty minutes, and the film's an hour and a half. I kind of want you to spoil the other two devs now. <laughs> <laughs> you paid a picture with your words then really well. <laughs> oh well, they the other two. I don't think the other two are quite as much fun. The other oh. one of them involves Tommy Lee Jones as the most hipster arms dealer you'll ever you'll ever come across i just as i said in my review he must have needed a new kitchen because he he turns up for like (laughs) three minutes gets paid a whack um and then yeah it's that that's fine and you know the rest of it though it has jessica alba playing a cambodian orphans humanitarian aid worker (laughs) that's a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) jessica alba now it's, oh. it's that kind of logic. It's the whole, like Mike Kermode would say, the whole Meg Ryan as a fighter pilot kind of logic. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, helicopter pilot, it doesn't make any sense. It is ludicrous, but it's not fun ludicrous for most of it. And, you know, it, it's, it's... Uh. Well, that's what I can, that's the ov- only sort of lingering memory that I have of the first mechanic was that it was just disappointingly boring. Yeah. You expect a certain amount of ludicrous action scenes from a Jason Statham film, like someone being sucked out in a plug hole in the bottom of a swimming <laughs> pool, right? And, but the, 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 like the, the, the first mechanic just didn't have that. There were no, no outstanding set pieces. I mean, it, I don't really care too much about characters in something like The Mechanic. I know well, that's really good. shallow, but I just... You won't I get think any. Ben, ben Foster is such a good character actor, though. Uh, I, I brought him yeah. up earlier. I thought he yeah. was—he was the one really shining thing in that film. Mm. Um, but I do. I just—I'm a bit of a sucker for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Thirty Days of Night, where he's in the? Yes. I mean, yeah. that, it's just mind-blowing stuff. I he's love. Great. It. Yes, he is. There's, there's, there's no one of that interest. The villain in this has basically been time traveled from 1996. Basically, <laughs> he, he is he is do Gray Scott in Mission Impossible 2 without oh, the wackiness. No. Basically, he's just smarmy smog. He, you know, he, he lives on a boat. He's <laughs> surrounded by about 100 never ending goons, you know, like in computer games where they just never stop coming. Sure. It, it's that they, the ending is basically that stay them in a, in a Lycra um, sort of swimsuit. Not like a weird swim, not like speedos, <laughs> but like you know what I mean. Like he's been, like he's been. Like Liz Hurley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it entertaining. But he's there in like you know he's he's underwater diving costume or whatever, and he's basically just killing endless, endless goons. And you're just there going, 
this would have been fun when I was 14 in 1995. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're it, begging for a franchise, though, aren't they? They're oh, God. absolutely it's, begging for it. It's painful. It's painful, though. But who thought of this? Who 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 sat with Jason Statham and went, "We're going. We need to get a franchise going for you, Jace. What what should we pick? Who went the mechanic? <laughs> Do you think that? it was more that they saw how uh, the transporter spin-off really fell on its ass and went, mm. "Oh, we we better actually pay the big bucks and get the main man back." Yeah, possibly. This wasn't Luke Besson, though, was it? Uh, even producing, was it? Uh, I don't think so. No, no. Um, it does. It doesn't have that Euro sort of fun mm. feel. A lot of those films, they they might be shit, but they have some sort of strange Eurocentric kind of feel. This just feels like Hollywood trying to do that. Yeah, Tony, well, do, do do your reviews go for on a five star basis? Is that how you do them? Yeah, yeah. What would you give this one then out of five? Two. Two. Right. Okay. Two, two, simply for the fact, two is normally your average kind of, eh. The, the only reason it gets that is for the is the plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only reason. For the rest of it, I was just so bored, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the plug hole and, and the, three, the three deaths, the, th- the, three, the three things he does there are quite fun. But the rest is rubbish. Fair dinkum. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bother. Yeah. Wait, wait, for, wait for Crank 3. Yes. Where he's... I don't know, hard on on the moon or whatever they do on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I think I think that's it for new releases this week. Um, mm-hmm. It's not been the best weekend, really, for movies. The no. dying death of uh, you know summer blockbuster season is at an end. You know we had Suicide Squad a few weeks ago, and then since then we've had Ben Hur, and and now this. It's it's kind of all it's all died on its ass, really. Uh, they shouldn't have started the whole blockbuster season at the end of March. I think we'd have, we'd have yeah. spread them out a bit better. We'd have been all right, I think. It's getting earlier and earlier, isn't it? With uh, Marvel and DC basically now competing oh, to crazy. get the film out first. I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, Kubo and the Two Strings um, from Leica. Sure. Mm. That looks really good. good. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah. The, what have this... you guys felt of this summer then? I'm guessing that the mood is quite negative on it. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> that was probably best to go off, <laughs> essentially. Man, like before we even had the whole podcast thing, like uh, Ben would come and visit Jeanette and I and we'd go off and we'd, we'd go and either see the midnight screening of, of the brand new film or whatever. But we uh, what did we catch? We caught uh, Batman v Superman like mm-hmm. opening night. And yeah, we, we we caught Civil War as well. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, this this year's uh, summer blockbuster wise. Uh, a whole multitude of sequels and spin-offs and massive, massive franchises. Not enough, you know, big money behind original, you know, backed mm-hmm. features. You know, mm-hmm. some nice small individual, you know, original features there. But for the well, most the nice part, guys was pretty good, right? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I've, got a, I've, you know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Shane Black. But oh, yeah. Yeah. that's one of my it's films open. of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I, I really loved the Neon Demon as well, which couldn't really be much more different than that. <laughs> um, but did you guys happen to catch that one? Um, it wasn't playing at my, my 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 little local cinema has five screens, and it seems to want to fill them with kiddie films all the right. time. Oh. So I occasionally get to see something like War, War Dogs or The Purge if I go to a late screening on a Thursday. Otherwise, it's um, yeah, Finding Dory for the hundredth time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I missed the Neon Demon as well. Unfortunately, I was I was away and things like that. So. I've heard the great best, things. The, the best soundtrack way I can describe is amazing. It though is um, when I, when I left and I spoke to Daryl about it, I said I'm so glad I saw it in the cinema with my phone off, because there's so little that happens in that film. 
that I would be so tempted just to look at my phone if I was looking at it at home. So mm. if you do get around to seeing it, all I can recommend is for you to just kind of focus as much as you can on that screen for two just hours. Switch off from everything else. Because yeah. it really works. Yeah. I went with it and I just I just left that film just buzzing. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think it's. Well, I think we had this conversation before, but I think both both Ben and I were saying this about Green Room as well. Oh yes, yeah, Green yeah, Room. Yeah, it's great, amazing, amazing movie. Like Blue Ruin before that, awesome. Uh, Jeremy Solner, uh, uh, amazing director. He's got, he's got a lot going for him. And and Green Room, I think that's probably up there. My probably my favorite of the year. But that and Son of Saul were were incredible movies. Oh, I still I do really want to see that still. I really liked uh, the witch. I thought the witch yeah. was pretty good, but that was a bit earlier in the summer, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, well, I suppose Deadpool as well, I guess. But you know that sort of ties in with the whole thing that we're complaining about. Uh, that's, that's, uh, the thing I love about that is uh, we live in a world now where Valentine's Day we've got counter uh, uh, counter screenings of things. You'd always get your romantic comedies and, and whatnot, but now they're looking. You know, next year we've got John Wick two, and we've got uh, the Lego Batman movie, and the year after that it's Black Panther, and they're looking at it, going, right, well, we can release as many romantic comedies and and you know uh, it's that kind of era of Oscar season type fare as well, and they're going, right, well, let's just have something that's a bit in your face, a bit chop socky. Years and years and years and years ago, it used to just be, right, we'll release a Resident Evil or Underworld film then. We'll just flush that down mm-hmm. and and people will just have to like it and lump it. Now it's actually action films and comic movies and, and what have you that, that people kind of care about a bit more. And I think that's what we saw with with Deadpool this year is is, is a little bit more care and attention paid into this film that clearly mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox weren't really thinking about too much and they just wanted to kind of get out there because they knew it needed to be done but didn't really have any investment in it and uh it, it jumped up bit them on the arse and proved them they can make some serious money out of that yeah i think they let ryan reynolds loose with that one a little bit absolutely uh, as much as a, a studio like that would of course but um i felt a little bit like he's been trying for a long time to get that character to the screen oh, in the way that yeah. he wants so it shows how redemptive a, a big hit can be, though, isn't it? Because remember mm-hmm. when Green Lantern came out and everyone was like, fuck Ryan Reynolds. And yeah, he was in a whole load. You think Blade Trinity? That man has mm-hmm. a proven track record for comic movie box office toilet. Yeah. And then, yeah, out of absolutely, no, well, not out of nowhere, there was a lovely little cinematic thing, but more or less out of nowhere. For, for, from a, uh, uh, a suit smoking a cigar standpoint, he comes in and absolutely, yeah, swept us all off our feet. <laughs> and the voices probably before that. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was great. That was a yeah. lot of fun. I did too. But again, I had conversations with friends and they were like, this was what one of them. I really recommended it to and he had to switch it off halfway through. He couldn't stomach it. He just yeah. thought it was rubbish. And I thought, oh, oh right. <laughs> yeah, I um made my in-laws <laughs> watch it oh, <laughs> they, they just wanted a good film to watch and i was like well we did watch this one quite recently and they went oh yeah it's good it's got ryan reynolds in it and I, uh. no no you gotta give it a chance because he's not the leans on a girl in a poster kind of actor anymore <laughs> he he's talks not... to the headless corpse in a yeah <laughs> yeah precisely right okay yeah yeah so you know i think it was a bit of a redemption for him and i know he was in stuff like buried before as well which was a little bit of a, a break away from stuff, but yeah. I, mean, I think it's been a 
a, a funny summer, really, because there the have been there have been films that have been okay, and but there have been a lot of really disappointing sequels and 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 things like that. You know, like the DC stuff hasn't been very good. The Ghostbusters was all right, you know, for all the furore. It wasn't anything more than okay. It was all right. X Men Apocalypse was all right. Independence Day, see, Resurgence was a bit naff, you know. War Warcraft as a, as a as a as a film was rubbish, you know. And you've got you've you, so you've got a lot of films really. You know, I know you hated Star Trek Beyond Owen, but like <laughs> with with a fiery passion. But it, I, I really enjoyed that. But it but it's it's not the best one. So it's like, well, it's been fairly disappointing returns. And you've had the odd. I mean, I, I, the one I would I would stick up for is Jason Bourne because I thought that was great. And so I don't I get. I haven't caught that one yet. I don't. Well, I don't get the hate for that, or I don't get the disappointment for that because I think it's as good as 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 Ultimatum. Really, it's not as good as Supremacy, but none none of them are really. Okay. But it's, it's 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 really good. I really enjoyed it, and I don't get the the hate. But it's it's you know it, it's it's been funny. It's been a it's been a summer of two halves. But then it, it's been a summer that's lasted five months. It's like Game of Thrones. You know, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's it's too long. Do you think a lot of this now is expectation though? Like we we've really hit a point where you, you, the, the whole thing now with we, we get bombarded with these trailers a year in advance and then six months in advance and three months before or whatever and then we get trailers to trailers and with the amount of tv spots and you know billboarding and that as well we really hype these things up we, we, we get to a point now where we, we're so invested in oh it must be the best thing evs mm-hmm. and when yeah. it's not it's it's like a shattering disappointment to everybody, and of course, because it's not the best thing ever, it's it's absolutely the worst thing that ever happened in the history of ever. Um, whether that be a Batman v Superman's or your, your Star Trek Beyonds, or maybe we're gonna have that with Rogue One. Who knows? But you know, mm-hmm. ugh, uh, you're uh, looking forward to that then. <laughs> no, I absolutely like am. No, don't get me wrong, I really, really am. But you know, I've I've been proven wrong before. Uh, mm. Assassin's Creed. I'm really looking forward to that, despite the mm. entire history of video games movies mass- massively being a ba- massive bucket of ass. Uh, we've we've <laughs> not had we've not had a wonder, I think, that I've really gone back and gone. Oh, I'll definitely rewatch that again. But for some reason, whether it be the trailers, whether it be the IP, or what have you, uh, Michael Fassbender, yeah, Assassin's Creed's one that I'm kind of gearing up for. You know, the thing that really annoys me is, um, you know, I think if I look back over my favorite films over the last say twelve months. Uh, they've all been originals, you know, like the nice guys and I loved everybody wants some, you know, those sort of flicks, Uh, the neon demon I mentioned earlier. Um, But these films don't set the box office ablaze at all, despite getting pretty universally great reviews. Mm. Um, So that's just it. People just start putting the money down and they're just going to stop making them or or stop funding Mm. them. I guess sing street as well was another one. Did you catch that? Mm. I didn't. I haven't seen that yet. No, I want John, to. John Carney film is absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. phenomenal. Um, I think that one did make a little bit of money, but um, yeah. So the the middling films that are disappointing us are the ones making all the money. Mm. Um, so they're just going to keep doing it, and I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see how, how twenty the rest of this year and twenty seventeen goes. I guess. Um, all right, so finally then, should we should we talk about what recommendations we've got then before we wrap it up um, going forward? So uh, this is anything that could be on, you know, Freeview, on Amazon, Netflix, or on TV, Blu-ray, DVD, anything in the next week. So, um, Owen, what about you? What, what are you going to recommend? Okay, uh, well, we, we've talked about a few documentaries today. Uh, on Film 4 on uh, Friday evening, 
uh, or Saturday morning, whichever way you want to look at it, 10 to 2 in the morning. Uh, Room 237, documentary about uh, Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's The Shining, which is Stephen King would refuse <laughs> yeah. that. Loose adaptation, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 it's about all the hidden meanings, supposedly hidden meanings, stashed within it. Uh, such as, did you know Stanley Kubrick directed the fake moon landing? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, there you go. <laughs> it's look, hilarious. Look forward to that. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good little documentary. Some interesting bits, some kind of obvious bits painted as if they're being told to you for the first time, and some completely fucking nuts bits. But it's, uh, it's an entertaining watch. Yeah, it's quite fun. I've seen it. It is, it is hilarious. But it's, yeah, it's quite fun. Um, ben, what about you? I was quite late to this, actually. I, I read an article, I think it was on Vice, um, and it's a show on BBC Three, which is online only now. Uh, it's called Fleabag. I don't know if any of you guys have heard uh, of that. My, my girlfriend's watching this. She she likes it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so I, I binge-watched. It's a six-episode series. I've binge-watched all five of them, and I think the sixth one comes out on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Um, but it's, it's phenomenal. It's basically uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, did a one-woman show live on the the West End, and she's adapted it for television. And it's just it's filthy, but it's it feels very true to life. And I, I was in tears for the first two episodes, especially um, crying with laughter, of course, <laughs> not in a Jane Austen sense and sensibility. Sort of <laughs> um, just just to sort of set the tone for you guys, there's this scene very early on where she's taking a guy back uh, from the club and. He basically throws her on the bed and says, uh, do you like anal? And she, she goes, go for it. And he, he does. And he, as he's doing it, he says, oh, I've, I've never been able to do this before with anyone. It's so amazing. And then she just looks right at the camera and says, is he saying I've got a massive arsehole? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, you know, opening credits of the show. And I was like, I'm so in. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, check that out. I think you've sold it for all of us there. With that. <laughs> um, Daryl, what are you going to recommend then? Well, there's a couple of things, actually. Uh, Thursday, the 1st of September, uh, film four at uh, 10 past seven is Moonrise Kingdom. Absolutely amazing film. Uh, I believe that's on that BBC list of top 100 films as well, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and then after that on BBC One, same night at uh, 20 past 11 is Shine. Amazing film okay. with Jeffrey Rush. Um, just brilliant movie. Um, but uh, beyond that, Blu-ray releases this week. Uh, US earlier this year, they released this 75th anniversary release of Citizen Kane with this amazing print uh, print transfer. It looked amazing. It looked incredible. Great extras and stuff. They've just released a version this, this Monday in the UK. The transfer's not the same. Uh, the extras aren't as great. It's a bit crap. So if you can and you're really keen, and I suggest you do, pick up the US version because it's region free. It's uh, bloody good. Um, beyond that, we've got Drip, Drop Dead Fred 25th anniversary Blu-ray and Sid and Nancy 30th anniversary Blu-ray, if you're so inclined. And uh, The Concubine, a film that's just appeared on Netflix. Uh, looks amazing. Uh, that's one I'll be catching in my run up to watching uh, Park Chan Wook's uh, The Handmaiden when that's finally launched over here. 
So looking forward to that. Oh, yes. Big really time. looking forward to is it. The, is the Concubine a new film or is that an older classic? Um, it's, I think, last year or the year before. Um, but it's yes, yeah, it's first time on like VOD, basically. First time on, on your Netflix like tre- streaming type thing. But, yeah. I've not even heard of that before. I have to look it up, yeah. Cool. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah, I'm um, I'm going to go with uh, Netflix, one on Netflix, which is um, Sicario, which has just come on. Uh, in the not not it's it's really good. It not not in the I think it might have been in the last week. I have only I've only clocked it in the last week. It's fairly new. They they've beaten Sky to the punch with this one. Yeah. Um in fact as a side note, don't watch Sky Cinema if you're gonna in September because the premieres are shit. They are so <laughs> shit. It's embarrassing. Um but yeah, anyway, uh, Sicario is, is really good. It's it's very it's very Dennis Villeneuve, you know, it's got that mm-hmm. really sort of it's, well, it's got Roger Deakins doing, um, you know, photography and everything like that. So it's very, it's sort of stark and bleached, and it's really sort of the the script is really pulled back. You know, it's very, it's very, you know, to the point and brutal. And and Benicio del Toro is is fabulous as this assassin, and it's it's basically like a a combination of sort of like geopolitical thriller mixed with sort of a pulpy sort of revenge drama, but shot with a very artful way of looking at it. And it, it reminded me of Clear and Present Danger, actually, the old um, Harrison Ford film. <laughs> yeah, the but, Jack Ryan. But, yeah, the Jack Ryan film, but a much, much more modern sort of dark <laughs> take on it, actually. It's a similar that, kind of thing. That um, traffic jam scene is just yeah. the most oh, yes. tense thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, Love my God. It. Yeah, it's it's got some fantastic moments like that that really just crack. And, and the final scene with Del Toro, Oh yeah, visiting somebody, which is, I was, I was just sitting there on the edge of my seat. It's just fantastic. It's a really, really good film. I don't quite know how they're going to do a sequel. Well, they're going to make it a trilogy, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't quite know how they're going to go, where they're going to go next, without it becoming a little bit silly. But it, as, as a one-off, as it is, it's great. So as long, it, it, as, long as they don't get Miles Teller and the Statham in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Statham and Del Toro team up to do some um, some missions. I'd watch that, actually. I'd watch <laughs> yeah. that film. Although they could get Michael uh, Bay to produce it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. But yeah, that, that's that's my recommendation. Good choice. Anyway. Very good film. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that basically wraps it up for this week on... Uh, File critics. I've never, I've never, I've never hosted before, so I don't know how we, how we go out, Owen. Is it, is it very much a case of um, see you later, bye, thanks? Um, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, we do just one, one quick last uh, plug for stuff. So, um, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find your uh, work? Where's what? What do you want to call it, Ben and Daryl? <laughs> yes uh, well yes yeah, sudden double deep the triple build title podcast um you can obviously you find us on itunes uh we're on youtube basically anywhere you get your podcasts um we're only four episodes in at the moment uh, but yeah we're, we're looking for new words hopefully you two lads can can send a few over for us yeah. rubber and face <laughs> <laughs> and arse hat wasn't it uh, yeah, bucket and arse see how many of those you can find I don't think rubber's on our list actually that's actually a good oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> yeah fantastic and yeah and occasionally we both contribute to battleroyalewoodcheese.com as well with like um, reviews features that kind of thing so yeah great cool. and Tony where can people find you and your stuff yeah um, mine is a mix of writing and and 
podcasting um, on a lesser degree now. Um, but yeah, I'm on um, Twitter at uh, Mr. Underscore AJ Underscore Black. And uh, I've got a Facebook page of just typing AJ Black and I put stuff on there, my reviews. I do reviews for and Flickering Myth and things like that. I review a lot of comic books. So I've been doing that a lot of that lately. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing my X-Files podcast, which you can find at blackholepodcast.com. And it's called The X-Cast. So if you are an X-Files fan, check that out because we're coming back at the end of September um, for our second season. Uh, and I'll be popping up on this, hopefully, and a few other things may be coming forward. But um, that's it. That's that's me, really. Um, so it's been, it's been really nice to host this. You did a great a job. Yeah, well Cheers. done. Cheers. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> you need Steve. Yeah, forget Basically. Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve, wherever he is. I hope he's having a good time. Have fun, Steve. Um, but yeah, don't come back. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking. Yeah, but thanks, everyone, for uh, joining us. Uh, you'll have a much more, yeah, you're much more on-the-ball host next time. Um, but until then, we'll see you soon. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.